Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast, right here on arseblog.olayolay.com. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, what other way could I introduce the Arsecast? Instead of saying hello and welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast, right here on arseblog.olayolay.com, maybe I could do something different. But what can you do except say hello, because that's polite, and welcome to the Arsecast, because this is the Arsecast, and I like to welcome you to the Arsecast, and where is it on? Well, that's where it's that's where it's on. Maybe I could do it in a foreign language, a different foreign language every week. That'd be kind of fun. No, it wouldn't. It'd be shit. It really would. <clears throat> Maybe some kind of bodily function to open the arse cast. Maybe I used to know a guy in school who could who could say words while he belched. He really could. He was very good. He could get to about. I don't know, L in the alphabet in one belch, which was quite impressive, I have to say. I did try it a few times, but I got sick in my mouth, and I gave up after that. So I associate um, speaking and belching with with vomit in my mouth, and that's enough to put somebody off anything, I think. Maybe I should just continue the way it is, because people don't like change, do they? They don't like when things are different. They get used to them in a certain way, and then if you change them, they go, oh, that's terrible. It's like any time there's a redesign on, on the website, people go, oh, fuck, what have you done? This is awful. I much prefer the old way. Oh, can you not put it back the way it was? So maybe I'll just keep going on the way I'm going on. On this week's show, and it's quite a show, let me tell you, uh, we've got George, who's got a tale of the unexpected. Uh, we're at home with a boo, Mm-hmm. As well as that, I'll be chatting to Jay Sanderson, who is the writer of the blog Young Guns, which is about gangsters in L.A. under the age of 13 who shoot each other in alleyways and piss on the bodies. No, it's not. It's about uh, young Arsenal professionals and youth team players and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's not something we've dealt with a great deal on the Arsecast, so it'll be good to have him along to chat a bit about the uh, the youth system at Arsenal and about his blog and all that. And um, Gilberto Silver from GunnarBlog.com will be along a little bit later on to talk about uh, the Fulham game, which is happening tomorrow. Yeah. Today, of course, is uh, Arthur's Day. The 250th anniversary of Guinness. Guinness, of course, that most Irish of drinks. And who am I to break with tradition? I mean, although it's not tradition, is it? Because you can't have a traditional 250th anniversary thing, even if it's the first time it's happened. But who am I to not drink Guinness on a day like today? So I've had a few, I have to say. Which is unusual. I mean, you know me. 
I'm a sober type, abstemious at the best of times, but I decided today I would uh, imbibe slightly. A couple of Guinness. Got a nice uh, Guinness pint glass with some cans in the supermarket. It was ace. It was free. Well, it wasn't free. It was obviously factored into the price of the cans, but I'm quite happy to fool myself. I don't want you telling me otherwise. Put me in mind, though, of the, the first pint of Guinness I had. All those years ago. Oh, I remember it well. Got dressed up down the pub. Sat up at the bar. Evening barkeep. Evening, sir, he said. How are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. I'll have a pint of your finest Guinness, please. Uh, fine. And he poured it. And I waited. And he poured the rest of it. Gave him my money. And I sat there. And held it in my hand for, for quite some time. Because it's a monumental occasion in an Irish man's life. His first pint of Guinness. And I sat looking at it, the blackness, the creaminess, the white head on it. Smelt it, the glass was cold, the condensation was running down it. And I took a glug and... And I have to say, from the first moment of that first pint, I, I loved it. I had two or three more that night as well. And I remember sitting at the bar and looking around me and... The wallpaper was a bit grotty. The carpet was a bit worn. Maybe my mouth ran away with me a bit, you know, how it is after a few pints. And I said to the barman, you know, you could probably do it sprucing this place up a bit. The barman turned, looked at me, and said, You're eight. What do you know about fucking interior design? Anyway, since uh, the last Stars cast, uh, football-wise, it's been very good for Arsenal, hasn't it? We had a really good win against Wigan, 4-0, clean sheet, four goals. How can you argue with that? Thomas Vermalen with two of them. The centre half, the new boy, is our leading scorer at this stage. One fine header from a Robin Van Persie uh, corner and one Robin Van Persie style uh, finish into the top corner. Uh, the other goals, of course, came from uh, Eduardo stroke Ibue. Ibue got the deflection off it, uh, Eduardo's shot, so I suppose it's his goal. I suppose. Uh, and... Um, Final goal, of course, coming from Cesc Fabregas. So 4-0. And just the kind of thing you need after losing two away games, like we did to Man City and Man United, uh, to come home, play a team that aren't very good, and give them a bit of a pasting. Just exactly what you need to get things uh, back up and running. And then we had uh, midweek Carling Cup action. All the kids involved again, which is uh, it's good to see. Carlos Vela with one goal. And Sanchez Watt uh, on his debut. For the first team in, in competitive action, scoring on his debut, which is nice. Arsene Wenger talking quite a bit about him. He seems to seems to like him. Carlos Vela loves the Carling Cup, doesn't he? I mean, I have to say I was slightly disappointed in him that he didn't score with an outrageous chip over the goalkeeper. <clears throat> I mean, he's kind of teased us a bit with that kind of stuff, hasn't he, in the last couple of seasons? Little chip here, little chip there. Instead, he followed in a Mark Randall chip and took advantage of slack defending and, and just kicked it over the line from two yards. And, and while it's nice to see him score, I expect better from Carlos Vela. I want to be, you know, maybe I'm nitpicking here just a little bit. But with the Carling Cup seeing youngsters at Arsenal get their chance, uh, an opportunity to show what they're made of on a, a relatively big stage, it put me in mind that we don't necessarily uh, deal uh, a great amount with young players on the Arscast. In fact, I can't remember 
us ever talking about them to a great extent, uh, mostly because we're concentrating on the first team and all that kind of stuff. But it's an interesting world and, and one we have more of an insight to because of various blogs and websites and, and, and the internet and all that kind of stuff. And who better uh, to talk to us about the young players than the man who writes uh, probably the most popular blog about the youngsters at Arsenal and the reserves. Uh, that's Young Guns, um, and that's Jay Sanderson. So hello to you. Uh, hello, LeBlanc. Are you okay? I'm good, thank you very much. Now, um, we'll start maybe with the Carling Cup um, in midweek. A good performance. We have to remember West Brom are, are a good side. Again, Arsene Wenger has given youth its chance, and they've come up with the goods. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty pretty fair assessment, although I think maybe people were expecting a similar result to... Um, uh, last season when we played Sheffield United, a sort of 6-0, but, um, you know, some of the players who maybe would have played, the likes of Mareda, the likes of Hoyt, um, you know, they've been away with their countries, so um, probably not as comfortable um, as it should have been. Maybe the performance wasn't as good, but uh, I'm sure Arsamengo will take the 2-0 the and uh, move on into the next round. Exactly, they get another chance in the next round, and the expectations maybe is something we'll we'll come back to. That you, you mentioned that Sheffield United result, which is interesting. We'll talk about your blog for for a little bit, if we can. It's uh, it's obviously focused on on Arsenal's youth and the reserves and the young professionals at the club. Give us a little bit of background on it. Why was it you started a blog um, specifically? Uh, about this particular subject, rather than another Arsenal blog like like so many others. Um, well, previously I did have um, a sort of Arsenal-related uh, blog more to do with the first team, um, like your own, but um, I sort of struggled a bit, um, and in the end I decided to just give it up. Um, but uh, I was um, I made friends with uh, Jay Simpson and um, a couple of other of the Arsenal reserve players, and all of a sudden you know, I got bits of information um, that you know maybe I shouldn't have had or whatever, but I just decided just to start the blog and write about it. Um, at the start, I didn't know whether it was going to take off, whether most people didn't really care about that sort of thing. But, um, you know, it grew really, really considerably over a short period of time. And um, even to this day, I can't believe how well it's done. But I, I just think um, it sort of started mainly because I had the information rather than me just wanting to just go for something completely different. Right. And, you know, I know a uh, uh, good journalist, etc., protects his sources. But, I mean, can you give us an idea of where you get your information from? Because some of the stuff um, is so detailed about, you know, the, the youths and where they are and, um, you know, they're away with their country or they got an injury here, there and everywhere. You seem to have more information on your site than, than let's say, the official site is willing to share, at least. Yeah, I think um, you sort of hit on it then, willing to share. Arsenal, I think they do have an awful lot of information that they could give out without affecting anything, but they choose not to. I think they keep the youths very secret. And uh, some of the news is out there, mainly in foreign newspapers or whatever. But I think it's just um, it's just having good sources. Not all of them have to be connected with the club, but you know sometimes you can get information from maybe the French supporters club of Arsenal who will have some details about somebody with the French youth team. Um, so just little things like that sharing information, I think, is always key in the blogging world. Mm. And do you do you scour the foreign newspapers in all the various languages, or do you have people that that pass on that information to you and email it to you? Um, it's a it's a real mixture, really. Sometimes, you know, if I hear a rumor about somebody, I, I can go out there and um, and sort of somebody will always send me a little bit of information. Then I explore it myself. Or sometimes, uh, mainly um, Norwegian Arsenal fans, they seem to be the best. They always send me emails, even if it's something that I can't use. Just little mm. 
um, tip-offs and things like that. Um, all right. Well, I mean, like you say, Arsenal are quite protective of, of the youth system, um, but there's there's tremendous information on your site. And uh, I think Arsenal fans know more about the, the youths and the, the young professionals at their club than I suppose any other club because of this, uh, because of this blog. Is there, not necessarily, but it's great to read and it's really interesting, but is there maybe a, a plus and a negative to it in the sense that it might raise expectations? Because we know how few of these boys are actually going to make it through to the Arsenal first team. So is there... the a danger maybe that that they get a little bit overexposed very early in their career um i asked myself the same question um when i realized that young guns was um starting to become really popular um i know for a fact that liam brady and a lot of the coaching staff they they don't like the blog for the reasons that you mentioned um but i think in the sort of internet generation that we've got now everybody wants the latest information um, as soon as they can get it and I've sort of filled that gap you could argue am I wrongly filling that gap by like you said um, maybe giving young players um, a sort of a boost um, by almost making them celebrities before they've um, even achieved anything kind mm. of thing but um, I don't know maybe it's something that in a couple of years time when um, the sort of generation that I'm writing about now are sort of maybe that when they leave Arsenal um, we'll see them Maybe it had a, um, a negative effect on them, and maybe that's something um, I'd like to do an interview with one of the young players and just ask them that. But I think a lot of them really relish the challenge. A lot of them sort of, um, if you if you add any of them on Facebook or whatever, you can see in their status, you know, that they that they really enjoy um, sort of, even though it is only under 16s, and in the under 16s they don't have a league. So you know, if you score a couple of goals and then you're on a website, you know, it makes you feel good about yourselves. I think. Hmm. I, uh, it's interesting. I was looking at some of the player profiles before I came on, and and uh, all the player profiles, which are really detailed, and I, you know, it's great for people to go and, and have a look at because I hadn't looked at that section of the of the site before. But underneath every player, uh, there's there's comments, obviously, and underneath nearly every one, someone is saying that this player is the next this. So yeah. uh, Frimpong is the next Essien, and Thomas Cruz is the next Tony Adams. You know, yeah. so there is that. Um, Touch of touch of exaggeration, I suppose, about what people might expect from them. Given, as we said, we know how uh, how few of them are actually going to make it through. But I think you're always going to get that. For example, with even in the first team, Thomas from Ireland, um, you know, he's only played a few games, but already, you know, some people are saying, um, you know, he's the next Tony Adams. He's going to go <laughs> on and captain the club. It's always going to happen. Um, so, although you know it must be difficult for maybe the young players sometimes, but I think Arsenal not only do they have good players, but I think they've got players with the right char- with the right character who can handle that sort of thing. But mm. um, I think most of the people that read the blog and read the profiles, I don't think they take too much notice of that. They just want to get the latest news, see how they're developing. And I think a lot of the fans actually go on that website, maybe not interested in the under eighteen scores or anything, but are looking at players who. Maybe we'll feature in the Carling Cup in a couple of years' time. Uh, that's very true as well. And and do you have contact, like you, you mentioned Facebook. So, I mean, is that a part of how you um, of how you interact with the players? Because I, I would imagine maybe there's more interaction between you and, and the players that you're writing about. Well, there certainly is, because I don't have any interaction with the players that I write about from the first team. But do you, is there an interaction? I mean, do, do, do you keep in touch with these boys or have you met? Have you met them, become friends in a way, at least online? Um, it's it's sort of hard for me to say because I don't want to um, say too much, but mm. there is some interaction. Some of it is online. Some of it's on a more personal basis. But I think maybe some people um, will probably 
uh, listen to this interview and maybe think, you know, I'm taking advantage. But, you know, a lot of these people are, you know, friends, people that I would go, um, you know, go down the park and play football with or, you know, maybe some of them are too young to go and have a drink with. But, you know, that sort of thing, just friends. <laughs> yeah, we better not mention anything about drinking. Let's not do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, look, maybe give us, I don't, I don't know um, how much you know about what goes on, but um, obviously, you know, when a young player is, is coming through the system at Arsenal, uh, we know that Arsenal like to educate them, not only in terms of, of football, but in a broader way, obviously, because not, not everyone is going to make it in the game of football. And, uh, you know, they're at a stage in their life where education is important. Maybe you could give us an idea of, of what sort of the average day in, in the life of a, a, an Arsenal youth player is. Well, I think I think that's very true what you just mentioned because um, I've known players that are in the system that, although promising footballers have actually been released because the club feels that they're not getting a good enough education, uh, maybe they're too focused on football, so they've decided to release them from the system, which I think is a really good thing to do. But um, a typical day, usually depending on where the players live, um, usually get up around eight o'clock. Um, head to the training centre, whether that's at Hale End or if they're, if they're scholars or professionals, then they'll go um, to Colney. Uh, uh, everybody registers at training at 9.30, usually around 10.15. They all meet up with the coaches, all the players, uh, and they get split into two groups. The reserve team go away uh, onto one field and train. The youth, sort of under-16s and uh, under-18s, they go away to a separate area. Uh, about 10.30... Uh, they sort of warm up and the injured players go uh, to the physios and get treatment. Uh, and then training goes on to around about uh, 12.30. Uh, from 12.30 to 1, they'll have a shower, have some lunch. Uh, and then at 1.30, the professionals uh, will go home or some of the players will go to their local colleges. Um, but a lot of the scholars, such as um, Benic Athobe, Chuck Zinnik, players like that, um, they actually get education on site at, at Shenley. Right. So that would be, you know, I, I don't know what school systems are, but that's your maths and English and all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's sort of the basic things, um, A-levels they can do there, but um, a lot of it usually includes, like you said, maths, English, sometimes science, um, and they will also do maybe um, a sports degree, maybe um, mm. a physio degree, something like that, something that could help them, say, if their football career didn't go so well. And what about, let's say, a foreign player, a young foreign player that's come in? Um, what about uh, uh, language lessons for them? Is that something they focus on very, very much when they when they arrive at that age? Because it's much easier to learn a language when you're when you're younger. Yeah, um, sometimes that is done um, at the training centre, but the majority of the time, uh, I remember a player called Ignacy Miguel. Maybe you might have heard of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to a college in London, and he um, he took day and night classes. Um, in English, uh, I'm not sure uh, what level is at now, but most of the time they would go away, uh, and in their own time they would learn that. All right, okay. Well, look, finally, let's let's talk about. Uh, we know about uh, Jack Wilshire. We know Fran Marido is now sort of in in the first team squad. Jay Emmanuel Thomas, who's away on loan, and and these are the guys that uh, I suppose are, are closest to 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 really kicking on and making it at Arsenal. But who? Um, who are the ones that we should be looking out for below that, not below their standard, I mean, but maybe who are a little bit younger, but who are the ones that are yeah. maybe not going to be in Carling Cup this year, but will be looking to make that uh, breakthrough next year? It's hard to say because it's sort of, one thing I don't like to do is to sort of hype players up and mm. that sort of goes back to what I said before, but um, you just sort of have to have to look at the games and you see 
um, strikers. Uh, Benik Afobe, he's scoring a lot of goals. He's a young English striker. Uh- Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, probably if I had to compare him to me, probably a lot like a, a young Andy Cole, very raw, um, but a very good finisher uh, in midfield. as uh, a, a big uh, Nigerian guy who plays at England called Chuck Zanik. A lot of people would have heard of him. He's Box to box, very rangy. Um, he's scoring a few goals, um, and obviously, you know, we've signed uh, two young Swiss players over the summer um, called Martin Anger uh, and Siad Hadrovic. Uh, those are two very highly rated young players, and um, you know, you're probably not even going to be seeing them in the reserves for another season or two. But those are two players that Arsenal sort of they don't want a lot of information to sort of come out about those players because those are really highly rated, and I think it's the same. Um, you saw with Sanchez Watt, um, there's been a lot of focus on, obviously, like you said, Jack Wilshere and J. Manuel Thomas, but I think Arsene Wenger really, really rates Sanchez Watt and a lot of information uh, the club didn't want uh, to come out about him. Uh, but I think you'll probably see with the likes of Benny Kofobe, Chuck Sinek, the players that I've mentioned, you might not hear a lot about them um, from Arsene Wenger, but definitely in the next few seasons, you'll be seeing them on the fringes of the Carling Cup team. Excellent. I remember when uh, when Juru first arrived at the club, Arsene Wenger was very reluctant to talk about him as well because he had such uh, such high hopes for him. Um, we better leave it there. But look, that's that's brilliant stuff. Really interesting, and um, all the best with the blog. And we'll keep Thanks in touch. Jay Sanderson from Young Guns. Thank you. Thanks very much, Tom. If you don't already know the site, Young Guns can be found at youngguns.wordpress.com. That is youngguns.wordpress.com. And pretty much anything you need to know or want to know about an Arsenal reserve or youth team player can be found on there. There's player profiles, stats, performances, injury news, uh, and uh, other various selected news as well. It's a treasure trove of information uh, for the youth and reserve team players. So uh, if that's your bag, go check it out, youngguns.wordpress.com. Still to come, we have got a look ahead to the Fulham game with Gilberto Silver from Gunner Blog. We'll have injury news involved in that chat as well. Right now, though... This. Now it's time to be at home with Emmanuel Abue. Oh, yeah. Welcome to my home. I am Abue. Maliki Abue. Many, many years ago, my great great grandfather's great grandfather's uncle went all the way to the Ivory Coast. 
To this day, nobody knows why. Nobody was particularly worried, though he had a very pungent odour about him. He wasn't missed at all in the village. But nevertheless, that makes him annually, boy. My great 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 nephew. So here I am to tell you about the top three Ebuway relatives. Number one, Marigold Ebuway. She's a librarian in Chichester. And when I was over there staying for a little while, she only charged me tenpence for bringing back my copy of Down to a Sunless Sea three weeks late. Number two, Eddie Murphy. He changed his name, you see, having learned of his Irish heritage. But we disowned him after that whole transvestite thing. Number one, Ibuwe relative. Emmanuel Ibuwe. No, not the fellow that plays for Arsenal, but his brother. And not that brother either, the other brother. He's an assassin. Does great work. Really, he does. I mean, it's marvellous. He's lethal. You know, I mean, you give him the money, the job is done, the fella's dead. Yeah, he's a, he's a credit to the family, he really is, he really is. You go now. Tune in next week for more At Home with Abue. Oh, baby. We will have more At Home with Abue. Sometime, probably. Depending on how many more... Uh, family members we find spread around the world. They're a big family, the Abuwe's. Catholic, you know. That's what happens. 22 children all over the place. You know. But I mean, you can't get 22 jobs. I mean, imagine if you're in a small little town and you've got 22 children and there's only one supermarket. I mean, they're not all going to be able to work in the supermarket. I just have to spread around the world a bit. That's what happens. That's why the Irish are everywhere across the world. Not so much the famine, it's just there was too many of us. Because we were too Catholic. You know, it's not unusual for people to have six brothers and eight sisters, and, you know, no wonder people went away. They probably didn't have any choice. They were told, look, I know you're only 14, but look, just fuck off, will you? We've got fucking millions of you lot. Just go somewhere else and see how you get on. America? Fine. Australia? Good. England? All the better. If you make something of yourself, you can come back fairly quickly and keep us in clover. I seem to have strayed somewhat off the point here. I'm not sure what my point is. Has anything else happened this week? Not much. We had the Carling Cup. Nah, I don't want to talk about Adi Bayor. Fuck him. Um, Arsene Wenger yesterday in his press conference responded to uh, the Bordeaux president who said he was all a bit snaky when it came to dealing with Marouane Chamac and he said, look, this guy's talking out his hole. I'm paraphrasing here. I hope you appreciate that I, I paraphrase from time to time. Arsene Wenger said, Fuck that cunt. He's talking out of his arse. Get him down here and let him fucking say what he said to you, but say it in front of me, and he won't say it, because he knows I'll fucking slap his head in. Pretty much. Basically, he said the guy was talking out his hole. He did everything correctly. Who am I going to believe? Arsene Wenger or some French guy from Bordeaux? I presume most people from Bordeaux are French, in fairness. But uh, some guy from Bordeaux, or some guy from another football club, doesn't matter whether it's Bordeaux or France or anywhere. 
I believe Arsene Wenger over all of them. Mostly. And apart from that, there hasn't been a great deal else going on. So, uh, tomorrow we play Fulham. And Fulham, of course, was a game uh, that didn't go quite so well last season. And with me to talk about tomorrow's game is Gilberto Silva from Gunnerblog.com. Hello there. Hi. Um, last season at Fulham, uh, it was the second game of the season, and we started relatively all right against West Brom. And mm. uh, we went to Craven Cottage, and the performance was um, not something to be proud of. Uh, in Later in the season, Robin Van Persie talked about how there was this sense of disbelief on, on the team bus after the game, that they, they lost that game. Not only that, the way they played. I don't think there's any danger of Arsenal going into that game complacent tomorrow. No, I think uh, coming off the back of another game against West Brom, uh, they'll be hoping for a very, very different result this time round. I think, uh, you know, last season, that game was really the season where we looked at the squad and suddenly it was thrown into the light how threadbare it was in some areas, how light we looked in central midfield. Uh, and the way that game went was symptomatic of how the rest of the season went, really. Uh, certainly until Christmas, it was pretty painful stuff. And, uh, I, I, you know, we've had some bad games at Fulham. There's the one a few years ago where Alex Song famously was brought off, or infamously was brought off at half-time for mm. uh, Cesc Fabregas after playing really, really poorly. I can't remember if Song played like their losses. I don't think he did, but Nielsen certainly did and had a, a nightmare game, you know, being overrun by, by Danny Murphy, which is uh, quite a feat in itself. <laughs> and uh, I, I think, uh, you know, we'll certainly be hoping for a better outcome this time round. So Fulham Wildcats played very well in the week, so might not be as easy as, as we hope. Okay, well, I mean, team news, we've got Arshavin back. We've got Van Persie, who's going to have a, a fitness test at some point today. Uh, but Manuel Almuni is still out, um, having had yeah. a, a chest infection. Um, it, it could be plague, couldn't it? I think it's plague, TB. It's obviously a pretty bad chest infection. I've mm. had some in my time, but none that have kept me out of action for Arsenal for two weeks. I haven't played that much either, to be fair. <laughs> Not with a chest infection, anyway. No, no. Of course, that means that Arsene Wenger was asked who, who's going to play in goal at the weekend, and he hesitated a little bit, and he said, normally Manone, uh, given the fact Manone played last weekend as well. You were at the game on um, on Tuesday night against West Brom, and we saw um, Wojciech Szczesny. I'm doing my very, very best. Doing my very, very best good. with that one. Um, what did you make of him? And, and given what you've seen of the, the, the two uh, lower-choice goalkeepers, um, how would you rate them? Well, I, I tell you, uh, Manone does give me the jitters a bit. He did a bit better in the last game against Wigan, but uh, on previous occasions, he's really worried me. I was at the game on, on Tuesday, and I think I said on my blog that, for me, Chesney was man of the match. Um, we didn't play great as a side, and West Brom, in the first half particularly, were, were pretty threatening. But he made some great saves, like low-down, athletic saves close to his body. And as well as that, he's quite a commanding figure. He's, he's bigger than Manone, I think. He certainly looks it. He certainly has more presence. Um, very, very confident for someone who's only 19 and making his debut. And he didn't show an ounce of the clumsiness that uh, resulted in him breaking both his arms about a year ago. That, that must have been an awful... How do you, you know, how do you go to the toilet? What, I don't know. I, I wondered exactly the same question. And then I after mean, you go to the toilet, how do you, how do you deal with the rest of it? I, do you know, I've been through exactly that process in my mind. I have no idea. I don't know 
what Colin Lewin must have been thinking as he uh, <laughs> as he heard Wojciech calling him, telling him he was finished in the in the toilets at Colney. He must have thought this job is. I can see why Gary left. Yeah. Frankly, <laughs> they probably got someone in on work experience to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, the student over <laughs> on his name or whatever. Uh, well, we'll see. The manager might make a decision there between the, between the two goalkeepers. Um, defensively, last season the goal came. Uh, it was it was poor defending, I think, from William Gallas. He allowed Hangeland, uh, someone we've been linked with, to to ghost on in. He kind of gave up on the challenge, and and uh, Hangeland scored the, the only goal of that game last season. Uh, but Gallas seems to have been reborn somewhat, having uh, having Thomas Vermalen uh, alongside him. The pair have built up a good partnership. We're still a bit leaky, and it'll be interesting, I suppose, from the point of view that the last two away games we had were, were both in Manchester. We lost them both. Um, Wigan wasn't exactly the biggest test of all time, so um, tomorrow tomorrow's a big game and a, a chance for, for the defence to show that they're they're up to the task. Yeah, I think we need to. I mean, it's, it's funny that in a season where thus far, you know, everybody's praising our central defensive partnership, saying what an improvement it is, that we still do seem to struggle at the back. And I think for that, you've got to look at the wide areas. But I'm not pointing fingers at Gal Clichy, who I think hasn't played particularly poorly, or Bakary Sanya particularly. I just think um, that the, the midfield set up now, it's not a 4-4-2, so they don't always have a man covering them on that flank. You know, often there's three up front and they get caught there. So I think the midfield three, the central three, needs to be really conscious. And they're still learning learning that role of how, how exactly they're going to protect the back four. Uh, but we will certainly need that away from home because, I, I, I tell you, I don't think Fulham are a bad side by any means. Um, they've had a few dodgy results this season. But uh, they've got some some decent players and, and a very good manager who will who will make it tricky for us. All right. Uh, well, we know we've never had a, a real, real easy time at Craven Cottage. So, fingers crossed it goes well tomorrow. Gilberto Silver from Gunner Blog. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you very much, Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com. Two broken arms. That's got to suck big time. You need someone that you can really um, trust, I suppose, when you're at home and. Nature calls and they don't have a digital camera or a Facebook account. I mean, it's got to be terrifying. And how would you go around the place? Are your arms out by your side or are they in two slings? You know, are they in two slings in front of you or are they out by your side like those guys in the gym, steroidy guys? You know, the guys who walk with their arms out really far from their sides because they think their muscles are too big to hang their arms by their side naturally. Those guys, I mean... I'd hate that. Two broken legs, at least you can sort of get in a wheelchair and zoom around the place and and knock people over. But two broken arms? No, that's got to suck. That really does, big time. Anyway, um, a tale of the unexpected? Why not? Welcome to Tales of the Unexpected on the Oz Blog. Hello, my name is George, and I've got another tale of the unexpected for you. This week, I've been having a fairly quiet week, I have to say. My life is quite hectic, you know, and sometimes I like to kick back and take it a little bit easy. I was approached by a big black fella, African I'd say he was, or from leash anyway, and he says, do you want to buy a big black plastic bag full of football boots? 
Not at all, says I. I'm having a quiet week, sir. How would I move football boots on? You never know what size people have. I've been mostly going around telling people to vote no on the Lisbon Treaty. If I wanted to be ruled by Portuguese people, I'd move to Portugal. I don't want some Jose Mourinho-looking cunt telling me what to do. But you might have noticed that Arsenal had two games of football this week. One on Saturday against Wigan and one in the Carling Cup against West Bromwich Albion. And not once in all the time since did we get radio or television or press talking about how Arsenal cheated. Talking about how the endemic culture of dishonesty within Arsenal Football Club is ruining the game of football. There was no intervention by UEFA who threatened to ban any of our players for doing something that all the other players do. And not one person on Sky Sports had anything bad to say about us. Now, in all seriousness, that was unexpected to me. More tales of the unexpected on an cast in the very near future. Because you just never know when something unexpected might happen. Like yesterday, I was driving along and I was waiting at some traffic lights and my traffic lights went green. So I said, aha, that's a signal for me to go forward. I know this. But on the other side, there was an old lady driving a top-of-the-range Mercedes, quite new. And she seemed to think that the red light she had wasn't necessarily red in the sense that she had to stop and more green in the sense that she could just go and do what she wanted. So I had to sort of blast her out of it and give her the finger and call her an old cunt, a blind old cunt at that. So I'm pretty sure that when she left the house that morning, she wasn't expecting a a scruffy, vagrant-looking chap like me to give her the finger and call her an old cunt. Even though, you know, pretty much what she deserved. So this is what I mean. The randomness of unexpectedness... It'll come up again soon on the Arsecast. Not much else happening, so I think we'll probably leave it there. Fingers crossed for tomorrow. I I want some payback, some revenge. Not revenge, redemption, I think is the right word, for last season at Craven Cottage. It was an awful performance. We want a million, billion times better than that, and a million, billion times better might just get us a 1-0 win, and I will be quite happy with that. So uh, have yourselves a great weekend. If you're going to the game, enjoy. Talk to you all weekend on the blog, and, of course, all next week on the blog and on next week's Arsecast. So until then, take it easy. Bye-bye. I'm a lifelong Fulham fan, I am. Can't believe it's gone all these years without winning a trophy. You remember the glory days of Jimmy Hill and Johnny Haynes? 
Oh, even if you go back as far as John Tigganai's manager. Now, there's a bloke. I always liked that Diddy Cease in the midfield of the France team. But what can you do if you have to choose between John Tigganai, Diddy Cease, and Ashley Grimes? Well, maybe you just choose John Tigganai. But Fulham is a club for me. Always has been since I was a little boy. Ah, oh, now, now things are a bit different. I end up on yachts with Kate Moss and on the front cover of magazines that I just can't keep track of. Anyway, if you see me at the game tomorrow, you can say, Hello, Lily Allen. Very nice to see you again. How about signing my album? I'll be delighted to do so. Right then, best get off. Till then, cheerio. Bye bye, bye bye, bye. I'm, I'm going now. Bye bye. Yeah, that's it. I'm gone. I'm gone. Out of here. Yeah. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.